Austin. Hi, Sophia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm living. I'm alive. <laughs> We're reaching at 21 and it's already getting to you, right? Ooh, a little bit. How are you? I'm not too bad. I, uh, I think it's really new with me. I've uh, almost done the Neverwhere, which we were talking about last week, which so we won in that giveaway, which is very exciting. Yes, yes. <laughs> so excited. I'm also reading it. I'm like 40 pages in just because life is getting in the way of my reading schedule. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I really like it. So. Mm. I got to say, I, did, I didn't realize how bad my sticking to one genre for reading is because Everybody at work seems to be reading that book, and they're all like, hey, that's not the kind of book you normally read. <laughs> when you're called out by the coworkers, you know <laughs> you know it's real. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that. I I also was called out this, this week in a loving way by my dear friend and friend of the podcast, Cleo, um, <laughs> for, not, for not giving fantasy a try as a genre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I, I can, like, link the DIY meme that I sent her in response to that. Um, but it was <laughs> if If you've um, watched Friends and you know the episode I'm talking to, which I feel like most people will, um, where Joey is on a date and someone tries to steal food off his plate, like, sharing, at, like, at the restaurant, and he loses it and says, Joey doesn't share food. So I sent Cleo one that says, Sophia doesn't read fantasy. <laughs> Did you make it yourself? I did. It was a very bad rendition. Um, it was not professional, but it got the point across uh, just because I suck at reading fantasy. I don't know what it is. I, I don't like, like, she was really good because she's so, like, awesome at reading different genres and stuff. And she was like, I think you just don't like having to relearn, like, a whole world and rules. And, uh, like, no, I don't like it. I find a lot of fantasy <laughs> stuff, yeah, it's really heavy where there's all this lore and stuff and yeah each fantasy world has its own set of rules that you have to learn it's just exhausting like I, I don't mind the concept but I'm also like I am just I can't I don't know what it is I, I really <laughs> don't like it even like the hobbit and stuff I wish I could but yeah I think the only fantasy I really read I just realized my microphone's facing the wrong way this entire time <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I picked up that entire first two minutes fingers crossed but you know what <laughs> We're here. Better <laughs> make sure it's actually plugged in too. It is. Okay. <laughs> 2021. Welcome. <laughs> so I was going to say, I think the only fantasy series I've read is obviously the the Song of Ice and Fire, the Ga- Ice and Fire, the Game of Thrones series. Oh right. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, my my Game of Thrones phase I went through. <laughs> I I do, and I really respected the couples' costumes that went into that phase. I feel like <laughs> it was a great time. Even that, that's not really super heavily leaning on the fantasy element. It's a lot of, like, the medieval history element as well. Oh, that's cool. Like political political element, I guess you would say. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Mm. So what have you been reading this week? I know you've been reading Series of Unfortunate Events. That's exciting. Yes, I have. This is, like, one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, my super cool eight-year-old brother, who's just, like, already <laughs> smarter and funnier and just cooler than me in general... Um, (laughs) we've been reading it together and it is like the best because that series was my everything for like four years of childhood. So (laughs) loving that. Have Um, you seen the movie yet or are you going to hold off on that until he's done the books? 
I told him we're only like we're only like halfway through the first book um but it's been so great and I told him like after we read the first three we'll watch the movie and Marty excited to see what he likes better I know it's going to be the books because because <laughs> he's going to whether he likes it or not yeah I'm a totally <laughs> chill older sister I'm not I'm not weird at all about this book series you'd be like so if I like the movie more he'd be like no you did not <laughs> <laughs> what's that meme you know that meme of like um i'm the captain now and that'll be me like i'm the decider (laughs) look at me i like how half the podcast is just you verbally describing different memes (laughs) in like a really bad way like just (laughs) um yeah i'll try to link that also so i don't sound like a crazy person and you can see i mean from the i know that one that's that's from the that tom hanks movie captain phillips yes yes it is (laughs) thank god you understand what i say (laughs) This is what like six years of friendship will do. Finally, I'm understood. <laughs> so our topic for this week is go bounce. Just bouncing off of last week, our game of bad reads. Yeah. So this year we're talk- talking about not good reads per se, because that's an app, obviously. But yes, better better reads, better reviews, <laughs> good reviews. Yeah, I thought we could kind of like touch base about it because reviews are such a big part of like I feel the publishing community the reading community the writing community like honestly it kind of straddles worlds that um are really important to readers so I uh-huh. to kind of talk about it because I realized after like creating my questions to ask you that I have a lot of opinions I did not really think about <laughs> <laughs> until now so yeah, I'm excited about that. So I just wanted to ask, I remember once upon a time you said you had given up on giving like star reviews on Goodreads. Yes. But now one of your main undertakings is writing reviews for all the books you're reading this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I fell off the wagon for reviews. Um, I'm going to make this a longer story than it has to be for a second, <laughs> as usual. Um, but once I, like I tried to use Goodreads in high school and I totally fell off the wagon. I was like, this is boring. It's not whatever. But um, after becoming friends with our guest two episodes ago now, I guess, Lauren, I really fell back into it hard because again, kind of like you've said before, like my friends read in high school, but like not like to the level that like you and Lauren and Cleo and my friend Alex do like. um, And so like, once I kind of fell back into it, I was like, wow, like there's so much that I want to keep track of because I feel like my memory is like Dory from Finding Nemo. Where <laughs> I'll, like, I'm sure there's a meme for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is. Or I'll make one. Um, check the show notes just in case. <laughs> um, you make a sub page of the podcast and just use, posting all your own memes that you make. Join our inside jokes uh, link on the link tree <laughs> on the bookstagram. Um <laughs> We no. should have bright young memes. Bright young memes, our side account. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. as you were saying. <laughs> no, no, I like it. Uh, so yeah, here we go. Here's an example of me and my Dory brain. I um, I forget things a lot, so I like to be able to keep track of like, um, oh, like these are books I own, or like, oh, these are books I'd like to own, or these are the books I read in 2018. Because oftentimes I can remember like the year, like phase of my life that I was in when I read something, but. Uh-huh. Then I'll have to do a little digging. That's uh, one thing I find interesting about giving like star ratings is that if you yeah. read a book a couple of years back and give it a rating, you can come back yeah. to it. Yeah. And still see if you feel the same way. 
A hundred percent. I think that's a super good point. And like, I stopped getting star ratings because at one point I was a bit like hesitant to, um, I know that sounds silly, but I was hesitant to contribute to that because I found myself like occasionally when I clicked on a book and saw it had a really low rating, I wouldn't even give it a try. And I Uh don't like that. Um, And that kind of like falls into questions that I feel like we'll cover further down in this episode. But I, I I like kind of the organic um, nature of browsing in that I feel like when I was younger, I would go into a library, I would see something, I would read the description or cover or think for myself if I wanted to give it a go. But now that like, you know, sometimes when you're older, you're busy, you don't get as much browsing time as you'd like in libraries or Uh, bookstores. Especially with COVID going on too. Right? Yeah. And I think in the, in the age of like online buying, um, it's so easy to get persuaded or dissuaded even before you even pick something up. So I was hesitant to contribute to that because I felt like it was kind of almost unfair to the author in a sense where I was like, am I not even giving this a chance when I could love something like there are so many books out there that have rave reviews and are posted all over bookstagram and are like on the top 10 bestsellers list that I think are garbage. (laughs) Uh Um, And so I'm like, if I, if I wouldn't read those, like, why would I not read something that I could love just because it has a lower rating? Like my mind is my, I don't want to contribute to that. But now I'm like, if people want my opinion, that's fine. But I, I don't think that one review out of like millions will, will like um, change things. So I'm, I'm back on the star ratings. Long story long. Um, and that's why. <laughs> yeah. But you do, you are now pairing those with like the actual lengthy descriptive reviews as well. I am. So how's that going for you this year? It's okay, Austin. You know, uh, sometimes it's a little more painful than I thought. Uh, but I'm like, I'm committed. And I think that too, another reason for this is when we were talking about like on our new year's episode, like I wanted to have a slower reading year. Um, (laughs) don't laugh. (laughs) And that's because I looked back at my 2020 reading and I could only remember like 60 of the books I'd read. And I was like, (laughs) only 60, this is not good. Yeah. (laughs) Because that ratio is not good. It's because of my three times more, more times as many books than I read last year. (laughs) Like that doesn't mean anything though. You read really long, hard novels. Like I (laughs) was just dabbling here and there with stuff. Um, but I, I really didn't want that to be the case for 2021. So I kind of went into it where I was like, I want to go back to really feeling like mindful about my reading and I want it to be more of a relaxing thing than like for sport. Um, And Uh so, you know, that's kind of my decision there. And I felt like writing reviews would really let me like marinate for lack of a better word. (laughs) Hopefully that's like no one. Really bring out all the flavor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that's like, no one's version of the word like moist like I know some people feel weird about that I'll, I'll put it I'll put a bleep over that <laughs> when I edit this episode great this podcast is no longer <laughs> safe for work um <laughs> but yeah that's kind of that decision as well uh yeah and, and mm. that's that so I wanted to ask you Austin turning the table yes. now you're in the hot seat I have questions I have okay many questions um my first one is just in general like do you seek out reviews 
when I was probably in high school, my first couple of years of university, I was really like not even just for books, just like movies and TV. I was yeah heavily into reviews, mm-hmm. and I kind of got tired of that because I would always look them up before I would intake the the certain media. Yeah, and I felt it would like sway my decision before even give it its own chance to like form my own decision. So I've tried to get away from that practice. Okay. The only real time is if I'm like trying to decide between different books, I'll look up which one is maybe rated higher. But even then, a lot of the times it's arbitrary. And yeah. as we saw last week, a lot of the reviews can be nonsense. What's that saying that like people are more likely to stick around to leave a bad review than a positive review? So like really, <laughs> the only reviews you're reading are like, I'm thinking of like Yelp restaurant reviews right now. Like they're always like just roasting a restaurant. Um <laughs> And I'm like, that's something to consider too when you're reading reviews. Most oftentimes, the only times people are like really moved to spend that extra effort is when they've had a bad experience. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the past couple Star Wars movies that really turned me off of just looking into reviews because oh, yeah? a lot of them are just so like vitriolic and people yeah. would put their like put so much passion into something that honestly, it doesn't really matter that much. Like, yeah. like, the whole life depends on this piece of media being good or not, so. Yeah, the Star Wars fandom is intense. Um, uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, yeah. As a moderate fan, I don't know how I feel about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then I was going to say, too, like, you're talking about when you would seek out reviews before. Um, do you ever seek them out after you, like, read or watch something? Yeah, I usually will, especially yeah. if I'm, if I can't decide if I really liked it or not. I'll see what yeah. other people like, see what other people said about it, and see if they kind of think the same thing as I do. I feel the same way because then it's like you get like points about like what they did or didn't like because sometimes I'll read something and I can't put into words what made me uncomfortable or like kind of dissatisfied. Uh-huh. But then I'll read it and like six people are like, "Yeah, it was definitely this part," and I was like, "Oh, I guess." Yeah, yeah. it kind of makes you feel justified for things you don't like. Yeah. And I find for good things too, it helps you find things you may not have noticed yourself for good reviews. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Um, okay, my next one. Um, I guess we've kind of already answered my next one, which is like, do good or bad reviews influence your feelings on books? I think yes, for me personally. Um, yeah, they do. That's why I try to I'll avoid just, it. stay away from them. Because <laughs> I know they would influence my decision so much. Me too. And I'm also like, like sometimes it can happen in a good way if I read them after I've read the book myself, kind of like you uh-huh. were talking about, like you justify <laughs> your opinions on it. Um, I find even too, if it's something you didn't like, like a, like a book you didn't like, and you find somebody who did like it, it may point out things that you may not have noticed yourself. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that was good. hundred percent. I think that's valid. Um, like and it's it can... the same thing about talking about the guest list, which I didn't like too much, but hearing your perspective on it just kind of changed mine. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. I get like that, too, because when you were pointing out stuff about the guest list in the opposite <laughs> camp, I was like, yeah, you know what? You are right. That is kind of like basic. But um, no, I think that's really important. And I think that's kind of like what book clubs and book reviews are for. Um, it's just fun to have someone to talk to or listen to about what you were also reading because it makes you think about things in a different way, right? Like that's, I feel like what the whole point is, like, you know, uh-huh. so yeah, I think that's good. 
Um, and then my next question is, do you write them? So I usually tend to only write reviews for books that really stick with me. Yeah. Like if I were to read just a random book and then it didn't like make a huge impact on me, I wouldn't care enough to make a review about it. It had to be one that I was really like committed to and one that really paid off for me. Yeah. No, I get that. But uh, how about you? Before your commitment to try and review every book, what was your practice before? Before it was like literally just using the star rating system. Like I would never uh, read anything. Yeah, that was my main go-to. Yeah, just because it's there and it's really easy. Um, and it's kind of addictive. <laughs> like I feel like <laughs> it's like when you walk into, um, like I'm thinking like A&W and they have that iPad there where it's like, were uh, you satisfied with your service? <laughs> click the smiley face. And I'm like, click, click. <laughs> I just, it's there. I like it. Um, it's fun. But I'm that kind of person. I always fill out like the customer survey. Like, I don't know what it is. I just, I love the data. Um, I just I want to say, I, I, you're so nice. I can't imagine you leaving a bad review. Like, <laughs> oh, the story was terrible. None of the characters were relatable. I'll give it four stars. Uh, I, I don't think I ever have. Um, and another component of this is, like, I have also joined NetGalley, which I, we were talking to Lauren about. Uh-huh. And their whole thing is, like, you you give an honest review of the arc that you have been given uh, in exchange for it being free. And that is hard to me because I am, like, the kind of person where if I don't like something, I'm like, well, here were three good things about it. And um, and I just, like, kind of dance around to, like, the subject. If I remember correctly, that's books that haven't been published yet, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that'd be the, the, the criticism would be better in that case because it's, yeah. like, the works are still malleable. They're not set in stone already, so. Yeah, I, I think that is right. But, like, they do also, like, ask that if you can, you promote it on, like, Goodreads or social. So I don't oh, yeah. like the idea of, like, again, this comes back to me, like, not liking the idea of spreading, like, uh, bad reviews about a work that, again, as you said, is still malleable. Um, and so I try to be very careful about that and be very constructive about it. But I think that, like, I really felt that I kind of tried to grow that um, when I was working at Blueprint because we would be working with writers and uh, writers are the most creative, inspirational, like, fun people to be around. Uh -huh. But as you know, if you make something and you pour your heart into it and someone's like, I just really feel like um, this character should be cut out completely. And they're like, why don't you just cut my arm off? Like, what is the <laughs> <laughs> like, and so I think like um, really kind of being sensitive to that is really important so I will uh, now like try to say like what it is that I think could be strengthened but I, I would never say like oh this is bad um, because I just don't think that's true I don't think that anything can be truly bad unless it's like blatantly racist sexist homophobic transphobic anything like that uh -huh. um, that's different but I, I do think that like any piece of writing can be improved or is salvageable because it, it's so subjective anyway. Like it's very hard to say. Uh, That's why Fifty Shades of Grey has so many fans. I mean, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, you, you have to be sensitive to that. Like someone has poured hours and hours of thought and effort into this. And I would never want to like say something really bad about it. Um because I, I did read, well, I listened to an audiobook from NetGalley that I loved the concept of, but I did not like the book. 
And even uh-huh. that review, I gave it like three stars because I recognized that it was a biography, um, but it it was branded as a self-help book um, about an artist. People might know what it is based off of that description. <laughs> um, I didn't like it personally, but I still gave it three stars because I recognized that it was good writing. Um, uh-huh. And the fact is, like, if it was just a biography, I would have given it three stars. But because it was branded as self-help and I felt it didn't really honor the artist's legacy, I couldn't be like, I loved it um, because I didn't. <laughs> uh, but give credit where it's due. You know what I mean? Like someone else might like it. I might just not like it because I have read other biographies about this artist. I really care about it. And so that's that, you know? Uh-huh. So I wanted to ask, this is probably a pretty broad question, but do you have like a blueprint to follow for when you leave reviews? Like, are there some things you prioritize that you look for more when you're making a review? Like, do you try to prioritize story or like writing style? I think it's like, that kind it, of thing? It, I don't know. Like, it's different, like what I would prioritize, prioritize compared to what I would like to read. Like, when I think about it, all I think about is like, give a brief summary of what you feel is like relevant about it. Because sometimes... I even find that like the back of a book doesn't do a good job at like summarizing what's inside. Uh-huh. Uh, so I always think like, oh, what would I like to know about this book? Um, I put that out there. I put what I liked. I put what I didn't like or it could be improved, I mean. And yeah, but like I think that really the people you want to talk to about this would be English students, which hmm. like that's their whole degree. They are experts in like synthesizing and disseminating information in really like helpful ways because I can talk to like I have so many friends who are English majors and they're incredible and they can be like I hated this author with every fiber of my being he goes against everything I stand for morally he like is just ruining my life um and here's an essay on why he's one of the top people in his field and like that separation is incredible to me because I Like, I don't know if I could really do it. I try really hard to be like that. But the thing is, like, reviews are subjective. No matter how objective you try to make them, Uh it's about your opinion. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'll also, like, this is not super relevant. But if it, like, depending on the genre, I, I do like to see certain things, like, on Bookstagram. I like it when, like, people who are reviewing thrillers are, like, like three out of three reminds me of Norman Bates from Psycho or like when people (laughs) in the romance genre are like 10 out of 10 swoons like you know like pull up a fainting couch this girl is out and (laughs) like that I like you know what I mean I like it when people Uh add their own personal stuff to it so I really enjoy reading those kinds of reviews Mm -hmm. um, to be honest Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you what do you think makes a good review so I know for me story is always number one mm-hmm. like if it's a well thought out conclusive like for fu- fulfilling story yeah that's one thing i always look for and yeah. second is it's not a huge huge deal but writing like writing style yeah as long as it's not like super simplistic not usually i can get behind it but that's usually a make or break for me that's so true actually because i have read some horrendous dialogue in my day <laughs> like just like super cringe and i'm like who talks like this ever um yeah that's a good point yeah what do you look for in a review like when you're trying to find a new book what do you look for in a review to to make it break for you honestly like I do find that I like 
I look for what makes it stand out from other things. I look for like when we're talking about, cause I read a lot of romance as we know. Um, I do look for like things like, Oh, like what kind is this? Like, is it just literally like, like chiclet? Is it like, you know, all these different genres. So I like kind of seeing where it's situated on that kind of barometer. Um, uh-huh. And so, yeah, I like that. And I also like, I will trust like certain people who review things because like either I know that my opinions are like in line with theirs. So I'll see like a bunch of reviews from this person. They like all the same things I like. They have the same like (laughs) kind of takes on things. And I'm like, okay, if they like this, I'll probably also like this. Uh Um, I think that's good. Like when you find someone who's really good at reviewing and you follow them, you kind of build like a trust in that where you're like, they're going to point me in the right direction. Like, uh so yeah Mm. um so i wanted to tie into last week with our bad reads mm. game okay do you ever write reviews for books you don't like or you try to stick to ones you do like or ones you like that think could need improvement like say you write a book and you absolutely hated it would you write a would you write a review for it i would say before 2021 i would not have (laughs) Um, and that's because I like going back to what we talked about at the top of the episode, like I didn't want to ruin anything for anyone that they might like. Um, Uh but now like going into this kind of mindset where like, I'm a big consumer, I read a lot and I, you know, I know what I look for. This is also interesting because like professionally like in my role like if I was doing like a reference interaction with like a patron in a library I would completely have to turn that off um I could make recommendations of what I think they would like based on what they're asking for but Uh I would never be like judging someone for signing out James Patterson um but you know like again maybe that's why I kind of had trouble being honest when I didn't like something before (sighs) not not being honest but like maybe just like not contributing my opinion when I didn't like something. Uh-huh. But now I feel very comfortable in the fact that like I can separate it and I can have that in my personal reviews and it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So I will review them now, but I do try to still like mention like if they did anything well and kind of sandwich that because I feel like that's the kind thing to do. Yeah. Um, because it's a really hard profession. And like if authors are trying to like ship manuscripts around and like bad reviews are holding them back or something, like I would hate for that to be were you asked on the story our instagram story last week for our game what was the worst book people like had from reading experience yeah and i named one that i hadn't heard of i won't name it to name names here but (laughs) the way we came across this book he uh, kate and i went to the chapters in waterloo yep he was doing one of those like signing meet and greets that they do like for up-and-coming authors oh yes okay so kate bought one of his books Right. And all credit to the author. He was a super nice guy and like good on him for getting his book out yes. there and being able yep. to write the whole thing. But oh boy, that book was a stinker. <laughs> I also just want to shout out the fact that like I think you and Kate are like the nicest people I've ever met because anytime we go to like an event and like either a musician <laughs> or an author or an artist is there, you guys always, always buy something <laughs> from them. Even when like it could be horrendous and you're so <laughs> kind like I don't know if it's just because you guys are like I mean you're artists yourselves you're musicians I would say and like it's just like 
the nicest thing ever. Like ever, ever. <laughs> like Well, we can tell the story to our audience about our our fourth year project. Oh. We had to it was for our TV studies class, oddly. We had to get yeah. some American seventies like blues rock musician to come put on a performance at the Kitchener Public Library. Mm-hmm. So our class is responsible for like organizing it, promoting it and stuff. Yeah. And at the end, he was selling and signing records. Yes. So Kate and I both bought one. Yeah. And we haven't listened to them since. Oh, that was like, that was really stressful and confusing in the moment. But afterwards, I was like, that was an interesting experience. Um, but I remember like Henry and I walking out and we, we I like looked around and I was like, right, Austin? And you and Kate were gone. And I was like, what? And then I looked back and you guys were like talking to the artist and it was so nice. Um, and like to his credit, like really interesting guy. We probably shouldn't name names here, but, um, Mm -hmm. he definitely like hung out with like really cool people like Blondie. Uh And that was really impressive (laughs) to me because I am a huge fan of them. Um, was the thing about, even if you don't like whatever the person puts out, you can still respect them and try to support them. Yeah, completely. Like, I think that's really cool. I, I try to like, you know, buy local and support artists where I can, but like, again, like on that student budget, <laughs> it can be hard. So hopefully more in the future. Uh, but yeah. I forget how we got on this topic of conversation. <laughs> I think it's just like reviews when it's like, oh, we were talking about the person who went to a chapters. That's why. Oh, right, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, so something like that I don't want to like make a review for that because yeah. I don't want to like tear the book to pieces on yeah. like a review platform even though I didn't like it because a lot of people might like it and yes I don't want him because he was like he wasn't a huge author so I don't know if he would be one of the ones who would look through reviews of his own book and yeah I feel like if you saw something like that it would just kind of get him down so I feel like that's a thing too right like when we are engaging with people online we want it to be in a meaningful way I just feel like you and I have studied so much about like communications in terms of data and how it affects people's careers how it affects people's mental health and it's like when you are an artist especially of a smaller book you probably are looking through those reviews and uh-huh. it's important to remember that someone is on the other end of that screen like I, I think that's just always something to keep into consideration because like if they're not looking at it their publicist their publicist probably is or their agent uh-huh. And it's like that could affect it. So I always kind of keep that in mind because if you're not engaging in a kind way, I just feel like you shouldn't be using the internet in general. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, maybe that's the Canadian in us, Austin. I don't know. <laughs> um, I just think it, it pays to be kind because you never know. But, you know, still pairing that with honesty. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's my hot take on that one. <laughs> That's like a lukewarm take, I'd say. I know. <laughs> I know. But I just think that, like, at the end of the day, like, kindness is the most important. Like, it, it's easy to be funny. It's easy to be mean. It's easy to be all these things. But it can be hard to be kind. And you know <laughs> what? I, it's worth it. It's worth it to remember that. And it's worth it to really keep that in mind when you're interacting and living <laughs> your life. Um Little bits of kindness cost nothing. <laughs> Could help someone out. Unclear. Yeah. So my next question is a big one. Okay. And you can separate it into different sections if you want. Maybe what I'll do is 
I'm going to list these places that I find book reviews or I have heard about posting book reviews. And then you can like pump it or dump it if you have used them or heard of them before. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, pump it or dump it was a segment on 91.5 The Beat, um, a <laughs> radio station, <laughs> giving credit where credit is due. Uh, my dad and I used to listen to the radio show uh, when he was dropping me off and picking me up from my mom's. And it's essentially like they'll list like popular things and people will vote whether they like it or they don't like it using pump it or dump it. Uh, we will just say pro or con. We're not stealing anyone's idea. Um, big fan, The Beat call us uh-huh. <laughs> okay austin where do you find book reviews do you use bookstagram not as much personally because a lot of the stuff i see from bookstagram is from our podcast page yes which is a lot of like people you interact with more which is more i find to your interest nothing like nothing wrong with that no. obviously but mm-hmm. i just don't um, see a whole lot on there that stands out to me personally yeah no that's fair I mean like you read a lot of like historical fiction and I feel like we don't have as many mm-hmm. words from that I don't know if maybe we just haven't found that book bookstagram community yet <laughs> we'll have to like add more in. And I've said it before I'm not really one to keep up with like current releases and right try and stay on top of what's coming out and what's good and what's not like with Rita Stone I find a lot of bookstagram is dealing with that yeah so that's that one is, thing I'm not really too reliant on. How about you, though? Do you find a lot of a good input from Instagram? I do, because I'm mm. an addict. Um, <laughs> I love knowing what's coming out because I feel like there are so many more, like there's so much more diversity and there's so much more like interesting concepts now just because the genres are really shifting to evolve to like modern expectations, which I think is commendable. Um like even this year alone, like kind of one of my low key goals is to read more from Latinx authors. Um, uh-huh. because I feel like as a Latina, I have not read many before, uh, which is kind of disgraceful if you think about it. So, <laughs> um, I've really enjoyed seeing books like Mexican Gothic and, you know, Cemetery Boys and, um, You Had Me at Ola and all this other stuff where I'm like, this was not around when I was like a teen looking for this representation so I enjoy Uh it Um, oh yeah that's good yeah so I like I like it for that I like following the tags and reviews there Um, yeah I wanted to say even though I'm not into into the bookstagram myself I can see all the like the positives of it It seems like a lot more of a lively community than say goodreads or yeah even like amazon reviews because you can like directly interact with other people like other reviewers and even authors sometimes yeah I remember didn't the authors of it was some book that like I actually responded to our story on the mm. Instagram page. Oh yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was like the highlight of my my bookstagram. <laughs> what uh, book journey. was that? That wasn't that wasn't a guest list, was it? No. No, it was in a holidays. Oh right. I was so excited, and <laughs> my favorite thing is like when I, I posted that book twice, which I haven't done before on our page. Usually, it's just like a one book, and that's it. But I posted a picture of it twice. Um. And I please notice me. (laughs) (laughs) That reminded me of the meme, the meme where it's like senpai notice me. Um, So I posted that, and another podcast highlighted highlighted our post because they really liked it, and then we highlighted them highlighting our post on our story. (laughs) 
uh, it was very like meta. And then the authors liked our story. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, and they're awesome. Like they're a writing duo. And I, I'm such a huge fan of theirs. And it was kind of like incredible. And I think they're known for really interacting with Bookstagram, which is really cool. So yeah. Okay. My next question, Austin. Okay. Do you find reviews on Goodreads? Yes, that's my main my main place to look for reviews, actually. Oh, okay. Do tell. Hmm. Do tell. Why? I don't know if it's just because that's a medium, like a site devoted just solely to books, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make a difference, because obviously if somebody is a review on Amazon, they're a reader, too, for the same book. But yeah. I just find, I don't know, I just find them more trustworthy or more educated, maybe, on Goodreads than just your normal person leaving a review on Amazon or like wherever else you'd find reviews. I'm not sure, actually a really good point because it's like <laughs> if you're on goodreads you're a reader like you're not like yeah uh-huh. just, uh there for kicks um you're not randomly encountering things you're there in an intentioned mindset which i think is a really cool point hmm. i found goodreads too it seems like another site where authors have a lot of presence themselves yeah yeah like you can follow like authors reading like like their book lists and stuff and what yeah. they're reading and their reviews as well i do like that me too hmm. I think I'm getting more into Goodreads reviews now than I have been in the past. So uh-huh. that's interesting. Um, okay. Do you follow or believe in the cult that is the New York Times bestseller? I do not. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is controversial. Um, I... I'm not a big reader of like mainstream stuff, and I find that's typically all that the, the New York list is, so... I just, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I don't trust you. <laughs> like, I just, uh-huh. and I am happy when, like, authors I like are like, I'm officially a New York Times bestseller. This has been a dream of mine since I was three. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm happy for you to receive that milestone. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of like, that doesn't mean I'm going to automatically like uh-huh. it. Um it seems yeah. like to me the New York Times lists are more based off like commercial success than the actual yeah. worth of the book themselves. So, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, here I have listed a whole bunch of websites all at once. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, this is the lightning round: Book Riot, Cosmopolitan, Pop Sugar, Refinery Twenty Nine. All no. <laughs> For me. <laughs> I feel like these are all like m- millennial, like Gen Z sites that are like hey we also read check us out um (laughs) i will dabble in these sites um and i have been pleasantly surprised uh i will say that because oftentimes people who end up in these jobs are like entry level just out of college english com journalism grads and i like that they usually kind of have like in the know about like up and coming trends and topics. So uh-huh. I've been happy about it before. Okay. My next one is blogs, like WordPress blogosphere thing. Blogger. I don't know if this really counts, but I was thinking Reddit's a really good space for like book reviews, book suggestions. So you can get pages like different subgenres and you can ask for suggestions. Like I like this kind of book. What would you guys suggest? And that's an awesome point. And you go like, I was thinking of getting this book. What did you guys think of it? And you can get like more pointed answers, I guess, and a, a longer review. That's really cool. I don't know if that really counts as a blog, but 
No, but I think that's an, another really good point of like, you know, people are doing that. That's really interesting too. And it kind of ties into my next question of, do you ever get reviews or recommendations from library pages or librarians? I used to when I was in school. I just haven't yeah. really done the library thing much, especially now with COVID going on. But Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day because, and this again ties back into your Reddit thing, where part of your like education and training as a librarian is to like conduct reference work, which is essentially like helping the patron with whatever they need. And so one of the factors, which is so cool and I love, is like basically you can like curate recommendations and like really help people find what they would like. Uh -huh. uh, so I've done this a couple times, but I'm a very shy person. So normally I'll just like look at lists that they've made on their websites and they always have them. Or you can even like message or ask anyone and they'll like put one together for you, which is really cool. Um, so can you hear yeah. a dog barking in the background? I can. <laughs> That's our roommate's dog. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cute. That's not the hedgehog making that noise, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I want like a photo of them on like a play date. Like they could be like <laughs> like one of those cop sitcoms from the 70s. Um, that would be great. Yeah. So anyway, oh, I have you. Where's hedgehog's up eating right now? Oh, <laughs> oh my god, Hector. Okay, sorry. Sorry, that was a little <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag proud aunt. Um, <laughs> now a hedgehog podcast. We've gone from being like a book podcast to an algae podcast to like a hedgehog podcast. You just do one episode. Just I'll just comment about the hedgehogs doing for, for forty five minutes. It's like he's when sleeping. you look. Oh, yeah. and now he's sleeping. Oh. And now he's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you look up those things and it's like a puppy cam and it's just a twenty four. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's us now. Did uh, one of our profs do that? for a break in class one day yeah I think um one of our comm profs did it in second year yeah good times okay yeah, we veered way off topic there okay we're going back we're in the moment um <laughs> what about authors and celebrities okay so you're talking like the Oprah Oprah stamp <laughs> approval or that's very loud or the the Reese's book club kind of thing Reese? Right? yeah I love that you know about the sunshine book club now <laughs> That's not something I'm too into personally, because mm. I find that that's a lot of has to be a lot of mainstream stuff as well, yeah. which I'm not really into. But yeah. I can again, I can see the worth in that. I feel like celebrities are really veering into this, like especially actors and like directors and that kind of thing. Which I guess like I kind of undervalued the fact that they probably read scripts all the time. So I guess they are avid readers when you think about that. Uh huh. Um, that's true. Yeah. So, like, people like Emma Roberts have, like, the Belle Triste. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, like, that's, like, a whole, like, Instagram blog dedicated to different books and, like, recommendations and stuff. And I really feel like Netflix and, like, all, like, the filmmaking community, to be honest, are pulling their ideas and scripts from books now. Like, if you think about, like, uh -huh. like Netflix, especially in the YA department, like, they are just making teen movies. Oh, yeah. There's statistics about, like, how many movies aren't either adaptations or yeah. sequels or remakes. And it's, it's like, very little. It's wild. It's wild. Um, so, yeah, there's so much of that, I feel. So I do follow some of them. I feel like I follow authors more than celebrities. Um, just because if they've written something I like, I like to see what inspired them or what they're reading as a writing style that they like. Um, so that interests me. 
I guess with that, it's kind of hard. To, it's kind of like a paradox with the mainstream thing because yeah. either a book is mainstream and they give it a good review and it's, it keeps being mainstream or it's not something that's not mainstream and then it's yeah. limited to give it a stamp of approval and it becomes mainstream. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's so weird. And I, yeah, I don't know. I, I like everything. I like everything now. <laughs> so it's just who I am. As long as it's not like the 45th installment in like a Marvel movie. I have so many feelings about that, which I'm not going to get into because I know it's a very divisive topic. Um, But yeah, I have feelings. Um, (laughs) My next question was, what about podcasts? Do you get book recommendations from them? I've tried to get more into book podcasts lately, especially since we did our our 12 days of giveaways around Christmas. Yeah, yeah, 12 days of Podmas. But again, it's like hard for me to find a podcast that's actually tailored to books that I'm interested in. I guess it'd yeah. probably be easier for horror books because that is a big community. But yes, I find it's harder with like history and historical fiction kind of stuff, especially with history, because there's such a wide variety of like different historical genres and topics and stuff. So Austin, I feel so bad. I feel like we're neglecting <laughs> your passion for historical and historical fiction. We're going to we're going to dedicate a corner of this podcast pursuing your genre dreams we're gonna pay closer attention after february we have really good stuff lined up for february um but after that it's all you whatever you want you want to talk about richard the third for a whole month we can i'm in (laughs) um yeah i also recently have been getting into them after our 12 days of podmas um which was when we highlighted 12 different podcasts that talk about books or book culture or reading. And uh, the three I think I look to the most, one is You Have to Read This Book, which I adore. They only have, well, they have like a few episodes, I think, but they've all been stellar. Um, And the Bookstore Podcast, which I really like. And that's the challenge I'm doing this year with the monthly prompt. Oh, yeah. I really like that one. And like their former like book store workers which I guess is obvious um from the name but I Mm -hmm. really do feel like people who work in libraries or bookstores are great at making making recommendations and then the next one is actually um like a podcast dedicated to like classic film and classic Hollywood um like Uh Golden Age and uh it's hosted by Karina Longworth it's called You Must Remember This um And she's actually like a really great film critic and she wrote her own book about Howard Hughes's Hollywood and she recommends a lot of biographies and studies on classic film, which is probably one of my biggest um, obsessions in life. (laughs) So I I like her recommendations as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. My next question do you get book reviews from the following like magazines or newspapers? The Walrus? Oh, oh no, already? Okay, The Walrus, <laughs> The New Yorker, or The Globe and Mail? None of the above. Really? Austin, <laughs> I'm shocked. I actually don't either. <laughs> Except do for The Walrus. Just, do they even make newspapers anymore? Like... I am appalled as a fellow comm major and former student publications active participant. I am appalled at that statement, sir. We're about to get into some fisticuffs over here. It's about to get real. 
No, but um, I don't really do the old newspaper thing just because like Kate and I live in an apartment and we don't get newspapers yeah. to us. And oh, totally. I know fair. Kate's sister is really into the New Yorker, and she's really? like suggested that I should get into it too. And it seems mm-hmm. cool. It's just it's just like another subscription thing that I have to get it like I have to pay for. And yeah, I know. On top of everything else too. So I know I get that. Again, um, I can see it's I can see the magazine's worth obviously yeah. for reviews and stuff. But oh, totally. But we're students or like young adults so <laughs> like paying those subscriptions is not one uh-huh. of the priorities right now um i treated myself to a subscription of the walrus uh for my birthday last year which feels like a million years ago um and i did that because uh it's a canadian arts and literary journal and they also cover news so i like having that um and it was pretty cheap it was only like 30 bucks for 12 issues so okay. i was mad about it um but yeah that's just a luxury uh and i like I think their... the only magazine i ever subscribed to was the lego magazine when i was like nine <laughs> amazing <laughs> that's so that's so cute like I-, I love when kids do stuff like that there's something about getting mail as a kid that is like the <laughs> best you're like for me the owner of this house <laughs> i actually think i was subscribed to like the sonic the hedgehog comics too and i was around the same age oh <laughs> <laughs> so cute. We'll talk about all that in our childhood reads episode a couple weeks down the line. Yeah, I feel like I like I would always get subscriptions for like birthdays and stuff. Like my family is very into um, like kind of media, for lack of a better word. But like me and my grandfather, like my granda, would sit down like after school every day and read our local newspaper, the record, the KW record, from cover to cover, except for the sports oh. section. I did not read that. <laughs> Nobody has time for that. Um, but, like, yeah, I would read that every day from, like, grade three to grade eight. And, like, also, like, fashion magazines because I was really into style when I was younger. I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. Um, I feel like everyone goes through that phase. But, yeah, so lots of, like, fashion stuff like nylon and um, L and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Not a lot of book recs in there, but sometimes they surprise <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, there weren't a lot of book recommendations in the Sonic comics either. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> oh my god, like that meme of um, Meryl Streep in The Double Wears Prada as Miranda Priestly, and she's like, florals for spring, groundbreaking. And it's like an ultimate roast. Um, I can pretend like I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, what else, what else? Okay, I think I only have one question left, Austin. Okay. My closing argument. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. Okay. I'm excited to hear this because this ties into a lot of questions around our degree, around like popular media now, around, you know, how consumers really ingest and interact with things. And I want to know, do you think the age of the critical review is over? That's a good question. I yeah. think it, it's hard to say. It's kind of like, because anybody can leave a review for something now, obviously. Like, yeah, you can get reviews on like um, Amazon. You can get reviews on like a YouTube, on YouTube comments. You can get reviews like on like the Walmart website. So yes, mm-hmm. I think it's, I don't think, that's not to say like, what'd you call it before the like critical reviewing like critical review yeah yeah i I don't really want to say that they're 
going away, but I think it's just mm-hmm. easy to, for them to get lost in all the non-critical yeah. reviews, I guess you could say. Yeah. As we saw last week, like anybody can make a review for a book and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's worth anything. Yes. Yeah. I was I was thinking about this because like I would say that um you and I have entered into like a field, a degree, um, like our professional experiences, we interacted with media. And we're in an age where it's just so congested. There is so much of it. People are making documentaries on their iPhones and everyone has a camera phone, um, which a camera phone, am I 90? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, at, at what point is it like so congested, so full? Like here we are making a podcast when there's like millions and millions of podcasts. And it's like, there's so much out there that how do you like, find out what's important what sways people and I was also thinking about this because one of my favorite books um Anna and the French Kiss uh which is by Stephanie Perkins check it out it's awesome the Mm. protagonist is like uh like a grade 12 who her like her mission in life like her career goal and this is like a modern book I think it's set in like 2010 or something her Uh career goal is to be a movie critic and it's like you know you really see that like young people are still engaged and still interested in this, but uh-huh. the, like, it's almost like, not that the careers are disappearing, but they're being it's kind of so easy to get lost in everything else. Yes. And they're being like, they're evolving and like manifesting in different ways. Like you can have that role and work in like an online magazine. You can have that. And like, you know, it does, it does still exist. And I don't think it's any less important now, but I do think that, that role is being negotiated in an age where it, it there's just so much there's so much content it's like almost congested you really have to like find a niche and like stick with it mm-hmm. so you know at the same time i find like non-critical reviews do have their worth as well like yeah just an everyday person their review on a book can be as much just like an educated person's review or yes like somebody is professional on that like a certain topic i would agree Mm. I would agree and I I think like too like I I don't know like it's a it's a really tough call but it's just something that's been on my mind and I feel like I'm still marinating on like what I believe will come of this like I I just what would you what would you consider as like a critical review I would say that like did you ever watch the movie with Doris Day and I think it's I think it's David Niven, um, but it's like from the 60s. It's called Please Don't Eat the Daisies. And it's essentially about like a, a play reviewer. So he he was like a, a former like NYU drama critic. And now he's working for a newspaper. And he's one of eight big critics in New York. Eight, only eight, <laughs> <laughs> who like can make or break a Broadway show. And watching that movie it's like I almost felt like a deep sigh of relief I was like eight I can work with that I can read eight reviews about one play and like make my own decision but reading like millions and millions um it's just crazy and so I was thinking about this and I was like especially when you read books from like people like Nora Ephron or like um like different like 
big shots in like big cities from their respective era, like Dorothy Parker, like all these people who interacted with a very small circle of like high society or like, you know, lowbrow, but still like cool. Like these people were like a literary film mafia. Like they would decide what was good. And it was so easy to kind of like have that. But at the same time, like so many voices are shut out of that. So I do appreciate the fact that like now there's there's so much more opinion. And like I do appreciate that like, well, I don't know if I appreciate it, but I like that certain data is just like amalgamated into like numbers so you can see it easily. But at the same uh-huh. time, that takes away from it. Like I do like reading in-depth personal like opinions on things. I don't like just seeing numbers. Um uh-huh. And it feels impersonal. And I don't think that big tech should have that power over an industry they don't understand. Uh, Because it takes away from the art of it. And that's what it is. We can't just reduce every entertainment into data. It's sad. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. I don't think it's dead. I do think it's evolving. And that's my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's a good note to end on for this week. Yeah, <laughs> we covered all our bases. Thanks for indulging me in my. So, everyone listening, go out tonight. Go review. Go review one book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you should. It's worth it to see where you even stand. You might surprise yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I find even in writing a review about a book, you think about it in a way differently than yeah. you would if you weren't trying to review it. So. Yeah. It's... Yeah, definitely. It definitely has its merits. Yeah, <laughs> reflecting, reflecting on what or how you feel after reading is super important. Keeps the old neurons firing, that's (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Okay, well, that's all for this week then. Yeah, see you next (laughs) week, Austin. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for chatting. We need a (laughs) (laughs) sign-off. Put that on the the drawing board for for next week. (laughs) Okay, I'll see you later. See ya.